everyone. Welcome to Beauties and Headcanons, where we're nerdy, and you probably are too. I'm Lindsay. I'm here with Deegan. You know the drill. We're here to talk nerdy to you. Um, it's actually kind of funny because we've been saying that for so long, I don't even know if it's even true anymore. Nowadays, <laughs> Tegan and I talk to each other about whatever has been going on in the nerdy, geeky universe uh, with a little bit of game corner flickered in. Maybe I talk about like social stuff that's bothering me and then... Uh, yeah, because I haven't done Geek on Fleek in like a million years, <laughs> and I've uh, flirted with the idea of doing Stream of Consciousness, so eh, we'll get there someday. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if you're still listening, then we must be doing something that you're enjoying listening to. So whether it's talking nerdy or just talking to each other from across the country, that's what we're here to do. Of course, today we are talking about Spider-Man, not just like the last show that came out but I feel like I also had to watch Venom last night just to make sure I had an idea of like how much I can appreciate Tom Hardy which is exactly what happened <laughs> um, so uh, just like a whole smattering of things we're about to talk about um, first of all spoiler alert of course the movie came out a couple of weeks ago you should know this by now but if you haven't seen it First of all, turn this off. What are you doing with your life? Go out and see it, because I actually really, really, really enjoyed the movie. Um, I think it's one of my favorite MCUs, even without a uh, Stan Lee cameo, to be honest. So, um, yeah, go see it, and then come back and listen to us. And I'm certain that Tegan's got a gaming corner today, so we'll start off with that, and then we will jump right into all the things we feel like we need to talk about with Spider-Man. Uh, well, I actually don't have a gaming corner, um, <laughs> mainly because, like, there was, I knew that there was going to be so much that we probably wanted to talk about with the movie and with yes. everything connected to it, you know, we, we've had some long episodes here and there, you know, we aren't, we aren't afraid yeah. to have long episodes, but, you know, I also know, you know, I, we don't want to hold you up too long, especially, you know, if right. it's not strictly necessary, <laughs> so... Um, I think I'm just going to skip Gaming Corner for this week, um, but I do have some stuff coming up, especially in the month of January and for 2022 in general, so go ahead and stay okay. tuned for that. <laughs> All right, so um, in like true unprecedented style then, I do want to kind of do a little bit of a stream of consciousness thing just to try mm -hmm. it out because this is something that's been bothering me a lot lately. Absolutely. Um, and this is, um, so stop me if I get too long-winded, but <laughs> I have noticed, especially with the holidays being gone, and I know that the holidays are an interesting time for many people. Mm -hmm. um, I have a lot of friends whose um, uh, childhoods and adulthoods have been kind of riddled with an odd and not-so-nuclear relationship with their parents. Mm -hmm. And I... Um, I'm not necessarily one of those. My folks have been both gone for, you know, 13, 14 years. Uh, but I, I've had a few friends um, not necessarily reach out to me, but that, like, I wanted to reach out to and hug across the continent. Um, because, like, your relationship with your parents doesn't have to be anything. Like, you don't have to... Uh, you don't have to like reach out to them or have some kind of relationship with them around the holidays just because there's some kind of like stigma idea that you have to have this kind of uh, you have to like reach out to your parents and you have to like uh, harness these like awful relationships with them and thankfully you know my J Jason my fiance's parents have like taken me under their wing even in high school they um, 
Jason was always like a really great friend of mine and I was blessed to you know, be raised by a, a treasure trove of village of my friends' parents. Um, the boy that I dated in Green Bay, I looked to his mother as a, as a mom. I, my parents were my parents, but then like everybody else's parents were my parents too. I was an independent um, st student for a little while. So like, I don't remember what it's called, but you apply for your independence so that you don't live with your parents when you go to high school. So mm -hmm. for like two or three semesters of high school, I was living with these amazing uh, people and their sons and kind of got to see like what, uh, you know, they, they treated me like their own, even though I definitely wasn't. And it was just a really cool experience for me. So it's odd to be in, in the way that like, I am an empath, so I always wanna like put myself in people's shoes and I wanna understand how they feel. But I have just been like blown away by the idea of parents who shouldn't have been parents, who mm -hmm. um, don't need to be parents anymore or don't think that they should be parents anymore. And I just like want to like put my arms around all of my friends who have strained bad relationships with their parents or no relationship at all anymore because you definitely don't need to hold on to negativity in your life or hold on to trauma or hold on to that kind of like nastiness that growing up in uh, a non-nurturing home puts on your soul and it just like breaks my heart that there are so many people out there who have strained holiday times and strained relationships with their family because of some kind of uh, disagreement and I'm, I'm finding it more and more you know like I think of myself as Christian and I grew up as as an atheist and all this other stuff but like why can't we just shut up and love each other in the way where we don't have these awful interactions with strangers and awful interactions with the people we are supposed to care about the most i i just don't this is my like psa to everyone if you need a mother who's 36 years old i got you damn it because <laughs> that's who i think i want to be for 2022 because i'm so tired of people being ugly to each other uh not to say anything about all of the other social stuff that's going on in this country but just that I am glad for those people who have those strained relationships for 2021 and the holiday season to be over because we really shouldn't be living in a world where we have those kinds of relationships with the people who are supposed to care the most about us. And that's it. How was that? Was stream of consciousness, what, five minutes or so? How'd I do? Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, <laughs> I, I totally agree because, I mean, I'm kind of in a a position where you know I'm no contact with my father and I'm mm -hmm. low contact with my mother just for reasons right. and you know it, it can get kind of weird around the holidays especially um, I know my mother recently tried to guilt trip me into contacting my father because he you know has apparently gotten sick or has something going on with him and she's like you know you never know you know he might pass away and then you regret it and I'm like I'm thinking no you would regret it I don't, you know? Right. So, yeah, you know, especially it's very important around the holidays to establish boundaries and to respect your own boundaries. So mm -hmm. anyone out there, you know, please, you know, if if contacting family or certain family members is too much for you, then don't. You don't have right. to. 
and respecting your own boundaries and respecting yourself as a person is a very important step to take. So if you've taken that step, I'm very proud of you. If you haven't yet, I know you can do it and just just do it. You can do it. I'm, I know you can. <laughs> right. And I, if I've you need done support it. on how to do it or to, you know, just uh, talk through uh, feelings, I'm I'm here for that too. I, mm-hmm. I definitely absolutely. I've, just I've had to support everyone who has ever been in a situation like that. It's just um, uh, life is too short to not mm-hmm. have boundaries and to not be happy. Who, <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's definitely too short to not be happy. Okay. That being uh, said, getting into Spider-Man now. <laughs> <laughs> so Tegan had me watch Venom. I had never seen Venom yet. And now I'm like already ready to see Carnage. Uh, and, and these are like movies that I was not even remotely interested in seeing. I saw Tom Hardy in Peaky Blinders. So I was like, oh, yeah, he's probably a good actor. Yeah, cool. Whatever. I know he's playing Venom. But then I like had to look up who does Venom's voice. And I was so thrilled to find out that it was tom hardy who did venom's voice mm-hmm. um that they just like calibrated it really low and then while he was actually acting in the movie he was like hearing his own voice doing venom so he was able <laughs> to like banter with himself in real time and i just thought that was like the coolest thing ever oh yeah um, i i honestly kind of went into the venom movies but the same way i had like real no real expectations i honestly didn't really expect to even like it that much just because um, especially the first Venom movie is like just so disconnected from Spider-Man in any way. And traditionally in the comics, Spider, uh, Spider-Man and Venom have always, you know, coexisted. Like, you know, you can't really have Venom without Spider-Man. So I was like, how are they really going to do that? But, you know, I was pleasantly surprised. They handled it really well. And now with Carnage, the Carnage movie, um, it kind of does get connected a little bit to Spider-Man. So it, it's kind of okay. interesting. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Um, okay. But yeah, it does have a very interesting Spider-Man connection at the end. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, and of course, in this new uh, Spider-Man No Way Home movie, there was the little uh, end scene, um, uh, end, uh, end credit scene, where we got to see uh, that Venom is, you know, or at the... Eddie Brock and Venom yeah. is hanging out. Um, where where do we assume he is in that scene? Um, Does that it, it is that, should I know that by the end of Carnage? Because that then you maybe... will you will okay. <laughs> because okay. that's essentially like the end. If I'm remembering correctly, that's essentially the end scene for Carnage. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> All right, well, uh, cool. But also, I liked the tie-in. I mean, I'm excited to see the world's merge. And so I guess we kind of have to like go back to the beginning of No Way Home. Um, yes. <laughs> where for like a million years now, guys, I have been complaining about how the Defenders were not featured in the MCU. We don't even get like a glimpse of uh, anybody. We don't even get to like see Luke Cage, like, you know, over in a corner of a bar somewhere, nothing. Mm-hmm. And so now we actually do know that um, Daredevil is I'm gonna get all the names wrong. I'm just gonna like, you know, symbiotically say that they're all the same names. But um, <laughs> we get to see Daredevil as the lawyer in the mm-hmm. beginning of the movie. Um, should we go back though? Because like I'm probably jumping ahead of something you want to talk about. Oh no no that's fine. Um, okay. Because <laughs> I I mean I, I didn't really get to a chance to see um, Far From Home recently. Um, okay. I was going to rewatch it before I watched the most recent one, but I didn't get to. But I do remember, obviously, that at the end of Far From Home, Mysterio 
you know, releases Peter's secret identity, and then that's the end of the movie. And so this movie, you know, is going to be dealing with, you know, all the fallout of that. (laughs) Which I kind of, like, loved that it just, like, picks right up. Um, Mm -hmm. I do feel like marathoning all of the movies would have been a cool choice uh, of of time. Um, But I also, like, have to say that I have not seen any of the, um, you know... I haven't seen any of the Andrew Garfield movies. Okay. Yeah, I, I, um, out of the, like, you know, the older Spider-Man movies, I saw Spider-Man 1 and 2, and I saw bits of Spider-Man 3, uh, with Tobey Maguire, um, didn't really enjoy Spider-Man 3, didn't really enjoy Spider-Man 2, the first Spider-Man was alright, um, just wasn't, at the time at least I wasn't, like, you know, it was like cringy, Spider-Man wasn't it? I feel yeah. like I remember Tobey Maguire being kind of cringy near the end there. Uh. Little, yeah, and just very typically, like, you know, early 2000s kind of superhero movie, you know? Yeah. If, if, if you saw. were <laughs> If you watch, you know, superhero movies from, like, the early 2000s, I think you know what I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> where it, it hadn't really found that balance between camp and reality, and it was, you yep. know, trying, and it just... Uh. And it was super campy, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I remember <laughs> Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's funny, too, because uh, when we went and saw the No Way Home in theaters, my daughter is the same way. She had seen um, Tobey Maguire because her father actually refers to Tobey Maguire as the only Superman or the only Spider-Man. Sorry. Uh, so he doesn't know anything about Andrew Garfield or Tom yeah. Holland because whatever. But um, she had said, oh, I've seen all of the Tobey Maguire movies because, you know, my father watches those and i was like ah funny but also yeah okay <laughs> yeah. so i was excited when we got to see toby Maguire anyway because he was like you know the like spider-man the of me being yes of me being her age so yeah i get it i'm, I'm there for it yeah um, so it's like when we're growing up this was our spider-man and now you know this generation yeah. has their own spider-man Right, and it definitely like encompasses both of those. I, I don't know. I'm just so excited. Okay, uh, <laughs> Matt Murdock. That's who it was. Matt Murdock is uh, Daredevil. Is the lawyer that we see um, when Peter has to kind of lawyer up, and they talk. He also talks to Happy. So dang excited when that brick came through the window and he caught it. Yes. I screamed. I screamed. And yes. How awesome that like both. Uh, Matt caught it and Spider-Man caught it. Well, Toby, Toby. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm going to do this the whole episode, guys. I'm sorry. And Peter went to also catch it. Mm -hmm. I was so excited. I, (laughs) oh, oh my gosh. So excited. And just that he says that I'm a really good lawyer. Ah, Yes. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. It was, it it was a perfect little cameo, you know, perfect chance, perfect reasoning. It didn't feel forced. It just felt very natural. So absolutely. I loved that they, you know, popped him in there. It was it was just perfect because they could have had any, you know, person come in and just be like, yeah, I'm your lawyer and stuff. But, you know, that was the perfect opportunity to introduce Matt Murdock to the wider MCU universe. So uh-huh. absolutely. I loved it. it. Makes me like excited to maybe see other people from Daredevil in it. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Um, and any of the other defenders, honestly, because I oh, I'm so there for it. I am so there for it. I have been wanting there to be a meshing of the worlds for such a long time. And I know that we are going towards the multiverse and the multiverse of madness and all of that that's happening. Like, um, even when, uh, we, um, when Jamie Foxx's character says, 
oh, I was just really hoping that you'd be, you know, a little black kid. I, you know, everybody's mind went to Miles. Oh, yeah. The Spider-Verse. Oh, so yeah. So I was just so excited to just have all of this happening. Um, I just, I can't say enough about how, like, excited <laughs> I am for worlds and generations and stuff to collide. So I, seeing Matt Murdock was just, like, the beginning of all of the coolness. Um, okay, so I love Willem Dafoe. I, I was going to say, I... I do know that I was very familiar with Green Goblin mm-hmm. and I am so excited to hear that like Willem Dafoe actually said like he wanted to do most of his stunts. He wanted yeah. to do as much physical stuff as he could. And that man is like 62 years old. <laughs> um, so, I mean, he is a treasure, but he's also 62. And there was a couple of scenes where he was moving a little bit like a 62-year-old man yeah. in a goblin costume. That's and I was like, I was okay with it. Yeah, I mean, like, I was, I was at that point hoping it was Willem Dafoe doing the moves because I was like, this is believable that it's him. You know yeah. what I mean? It, had it been, like, some limber little... 30 year olds mm-hmm. dressed up like like the Green Goblin I would have been kind of sad so yeah. I'm glad that they were kind of like true to the physicality and um, I there, there's a scene um, by the uh, by the Statue of Liberty where Peter and Norman are fighting and I'm just mm-hmm. like oh that's got to be Willem Dafoe because it was it was a very <laughs> like 62 year old man move you know <laughs> I was like, oh, that, that's definitely it. I actually managed to watch the movie twice in theaters. Um, I uh, was going through some weird stuff with, with one of my pets, so we left, like, before the end scene because I needed to get home because yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't there mentally. So, But it's been a little while, and we've had to, like, kind of mull over this and, and mm-hmm. kind of chew on what that movie was so i feel like i'm probably going to be like all over the board so i (laughs) I apologize like to anybody who's trying to follow where we're headed or what i'm talking about i'm sorry that's what this episode's about is me just splurting off anything i want to say and tegan trying to follow (laughs) Um, you do a great job (laughs) (laughs) well i do really appreciate like all the little callbacks that they made to the previous spider-man and like their worlds and like their storylines and what happened um like, for instance, when Doc Ock comes through and, you know, um, Norman Osborn comes up and he's like, no, like, Norman died, like, you know, years ago, <laughs> you know, so it's, all these little callbacks are really great. Um, and even though, like, I, you know, didn't watch any of the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies, I think pretty much everybody is familiar with the whole Gwen Stacy fall from... Yes from that movie and seeing him, you know, try to catch her and then fail. I really love that they kind of put this in here as like a reference to that, where he has to catch MJ and he catches her this time. And it's like, he catches her. He doesn't try and catch her with the web because that's what happened with Gwen. Yeah. And so, and you just, Andrew Garfield was amazing in that scene. I just remember like he, you can just totally see on his face. Like he's trying hard, so hard not to cry, but he's so relieved and he's so happy. And you know, it's all these different emotions going on, um, just on his face. It it was, it was an amazing, amazing little moment. Total props to Andrew Garfield. That, that really, that really kind of hit home. I, I think that was one of a, one of the really impactful scenes of the movie is, you know, him like basically getting this second chance to save somebody in this situation and nailing it. Yes. 
No, I definitely, and it was funny too because when that scene happened, I was like, "There must be a reason why he's so emotional about this," because it was it was beautifully done. But he was yeah. so emotional, and I was just like, "Oh, yeah." And it's funny too because Andrew Garfield is such like a he's he's such a big teddy bear. It's so cute. I was yeah. Like, oh, this guy's like just the the you know, he's like I wanted to hug him. Yeah. He's so sweet. Um, but also, like, I loved the the Tobey Maguire pullbacks, too, when he mm-hmm. uh, talks about his back hurting and Andrew yeah. gets to crack it. Oh, so oh, cute. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I loved it, especially because he had that scene um, where he fell on that car and he was like, oh, yeah. my back. Yeah. In, in his, he definitely in, feels like an older. Yeah. yeah, he definitely does feel like that older Peter Parker who has been, you know, Spider-Man for a couple of decades now and, like, you know, it's starting to wear and tear on your body. You know, your your body, you know, is, he may have those, you know, super abilities, but, you know, he doesn't have, like, a super durable body. Like, he, he's still going to get injured. He's still going to have to, you know, deal with a body that's aging fairly normally, it seems. So, right. you know, naturally, as a 30-plus-year-old Spider-Man who's been doing this junket for a while, you know, it's, it's not going to be super quick, super clean, you know, no pain, nothing like that. You know, it, it, it definitely did seem realistic for that. Um, I loved all the different stances whenever we get to see them in silhouette where they yes. all had very different and very iconic Spider-Man stances whenever we saw them. I loved it. And every like little fan service bit of information we got made me so excited oh yeah um, um def- oh and the meme the meme moment where they're where they're pointing at each other that was that was perfect yes. that was yes. absolutely perfect it's like just this moment of self-awareness and <laughs> i just love that that was it was so perfectly done because it wasn't like a whole lot of attention brought to it and emphasized it was just really quick almost blink and you miss it you know like if you looked away for just a second you would have missed it but it was there it, it was just perfect that was it's the perfect way of how you implement that, you know, and like you were saying, you know, there were a lot of moments in here that were definitely like, you know, kind of fan service in the positive way, you know, right. again, you know, I know in one of our episodes, I was ranting just a little bit about how fan service is always typically used in like a negative connotation, uh-huh. but it's, it's, that's just not true. You know, it's how that fan service is wielded. So, you know, this is a case I think of a lot of fan service gone right, where, you know, you have all of these great callbacks, but they're not overemphasized, you know, to the point where it seems like the movie is pointed to them and say, ha, see, see what we did? We did that, you know? Right, it's, right. It just flows. It makes sense. So that that's how, that's how you want to do it. You want to do it in a way where you can pick up on it, but it doesn't hinder the plot or the movie in any way. Right. And I was like, I was just super excited to um, kind of feel like, I'm used to having to suspend my disbelief with the MCU. Mm-hmm. I am used to, you know, things being kind of like ridiculous. Even when I watched Venom, I was like, yeah, this is not something that would go this well unnoticed for mm-hmm. so long. Even with like all the the cops and the special agents and stuff that we're chasing after um, and, you know, working with uh, the big science guru guy like all of that Mm -hmm. that was happening I was still like okay sure yeah right but there was a quite a lot of stuff going on in the Spider-Man No Way Home movie where I felt like I believed it I they took me along for the ride and I was all there for it even 
there's um, just like the the nods and stuff to the aging bodies and mm-hmm. um, uh, Toby Maguire's Peter with the with the stuff coming out of his wrist and the other boys are like what seriously <laughs> like that would have been handy <laughs> right and and even like Andrew Garfield still looking at him like for a couple extra seconds like really that just comes out of you. <laughs> It, it was such a cool little like nod moment difference that mm-hmm. makes me so excited for um, the way things have been able to come together because mm-hmm. I, it, you know, we spent so much time saying, oh, you know, we're rebooting this. Oh, we're rebooting that. Um, and why are we redoing this, that, and the other thing? But this time I'm really excited to see, uh, to, to know how everything came together and just there for it with everything that they did. Oh, yeah. Um, I really do appreciate... I loved that- Ned was like his own entity though yeah. that that he really wanted there to be like another Ned and for there you know for there to have been um, some kind of like awesome wonderful story about Ned and there really isn't um, that Toby's got his own best friend that you know we no longer have uh, because of the Osborne mm-hmm. uh, you know, whatever headspace thing yeah um, the whole Osborne family trauma Yes, um, so all of that, but I, like, loved that Ned gets to, like, have his own yeah. little stuff. Oh, and let's talk about magic and how he had yeah. this, like, weird ring thing um, yeah. that he stole from so, Doctor Strange. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> earlier in the movie, you know, he had this, you know, quick little, you know, almost throwaway line where he's like, you know, well, sometimes my hand feels kind of tingly, you know, and like talking to Dr. Strange, like, oh, could I, you know, do magic and stuff? And I love how this actually like comes back around and, you know, he is able to do this magic and stuff. And so I'm like, ooh, like this would be a really cool, you know, concept for him to, you know, be able to develop that in some way, maybe at some point, you know, down the line. I, I thought it was a really cool little, um, callback to that line. I, I really appreciate those things where, you know, it's just like a throwaway comment or line or something like that and it comes back around. It's it's a very it, it's very satisfying as a writer and as somebody who really appreciates, you know, stories and plots. It's it's very satisfying to see that kind of circle complete. <laughs> yeah, it was exciting to for me to like see um, even like the way that they differentiated our MJ from everyone else and how she Mm -hmm. uh, repeatedly like referred to her um, last name as like not her last name like how she says it's just MJ Mm -hmm. or it's just Jones Um, and just all of the uh, I don't think I have enough time or enough brain space (laughs) to really say like all the things that that made me excited about this film Um, I didn't get to see uh, Jamie Foxx as the character he plays in the original movie mm-hmm. obviously and i guess you didn't either right because you just said you didn't see any of the andrew garfield movies either no uh but actually i believe that was in um uh i thought he was with the toby mcguire spider-man because i okay. thought that was the third one because there was the oh. sandman and i thought that was one Hold on. okay maybe you might be right uh, no i was not right okay Oh, I must okay. have just been. I must have just seen a lot of like YouTube videos and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that well, does... the only reason I, the only reason I said it was because when he does take off his mask, um, Jamie Foxx's character is the one who says, "Oh, I was really hoping you'd be a black dude." Right. Um, yeah, I just 
sometimes like I watch a bunch of like YouTube videos on yes. things and so like I, I get like mixed up sometimes on like what's where and who is in what movie and stuff. Um, but I, I really appreciated, you know, how they put this movie together and how they incorporated this concept of a multiverse. And so like, it's not like, you know, with this, you know, Tom Holland, Peter Parker, it's not like they're trying to erase Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield in their respective, like, you know, worlds that they have set up, you know, they're incorporating it, they're bringing it in and saying, yeah, this, this is still, you know, all, you know, it, it doesn't have to conflict, there doesn't have to be one overall Spider-Man, you know, you can have multiple Spider-Man and multiple kind of world spaces going on, and, you know, they can, they can all be valid. So I, I really appreciated that incorporation instead of setting one above the other, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. But I think, honestly, we all knew that Tom Holland was our Spider-Man for this one. You know, even when they oh, yeah. are are fighting with each other, or not fighting, but talking to each other, and they refer to, like, Peter 1, Peter 2, Peter 3. Yeah. Um, they, our Tom Holland was, was Peter 1. Mm-hmm. And I think they actually decided Toby was Peter 2, and... Andrew Garfield was, was Peter three. And there was no like argument or uh, problem with that during the film. Now I'm sure there's fans out there who are like freaking out, but eh, whatever. Like, oh my God, no, um, it's not true. But it's like, right. it, it's, it's just for the movie. It's just for the movie. <laughs> right. You don't have to get married to anybody. It's fine. Yes. Um, what excited me a lot too, about the way that all of the, the way they amalgamated everything was, um, even our introductions to Ned opening the portals, um, clearly not knowing how to close them, um, <laughs> but looking for Peter uh, and getting the wrong Peters, but also still the right Peters in a way. Yes. Um, and the way Andrew comes through and, you know, is like waving politely. Yeah. It's a very Peter thing to do. Right. Has to prove that he is himself by crawling around on the on the ceiling yeah um which is just great and especially because uh mj's like crawl around on the ceiling he's like no and then ned's mom or ned's grandma is like can you just go get that cobweb over there and he goes and gets it and of course it's a cobweb and he's spider-man which is great (laughs) um like giggles abounded in the theater from me at least and then uh when toby comes through and we don't even know that he's got the suit on underneath his like usual like normal getup yeah. and uh andrew asks him he's like you're just gonna do the the cool youth pastor look oh because <laughs> we were all thinking it let's be yeah. serious yeah of course of course but you know yeah, just, it was just so fun yep but just like in uh, i believe one of the if i'm remembering correctly now granted it has been years like probably over ugh, definitely over 10 years maybe closer to 20 years since I've seen uh, some of the original Spider-Man movies, which is a lot longer than I, you know, really want to admit. But I feel like, you know, they had a scene where, you know, Toby was out there in regular clothes and then he had to ditch his regular clothes and he had, like, the spider suit underneath. So I feel like that was, like, almost a callback to that, if I'm remembering that correctly and didn't just, you know, make that up in my head. (laughs) It definitely feels that way. Yeah. I'll I'll admit that. Um, (laughs) Okay, so what else do we need to make sure we talk about? I really uh, liked how they brought together all of the villains and how, you know, Norman, Norman, of course, you know, you you can't trust him. You know you can't trust him. But, you know, 
part of you wants to, but you just know that you can't. And of course, you know, it proved that you can't trust him. Um, so I really, I really liked how he kind of tried to take over and kind of tried to create like the Sinister Six, but you know, through the whole typical, you know, Peter Parker, Spider-Man shtick, you know, they were able to reach out to those villains who weren't really committed to the cause and like, you know, were able to get them to rejoin them and fight against Norman Osborn. Norman Osborn. I thought that was a really great, um, just very typical Peter Parker thing. You know, he, he's not the kind of superhero that's just going to go after and, you know, go after the villain and just, you know, punch them 9,999 times, you know, he's, he wants to reach out to them and try to help them, you know, so I thought this was very true to the Peter Parker archetype in general, not just, you know, our specific Peter Parkers that we know, but just in general, this is just part of Spider-Man's shtick, he wants to try to help these villains if he can, you know, if there's a chance that he can help them, that's what he wants to do, so... Yeah, I, I thought that was very, very much in character and on point for them, you know, to just try to do this, even if it seems impossible to try to do it anyway, because if you don't even try, then what's the point, you know? Right. Yeah. So let's go back then and talk about um, Aunt May. Yep. That was actually the next thing I was going to bring up, too. Um, okay. So... You know, obviously, in like, you know, it's very traditional in like Spider-Man stories to witness Uncle Ben dying. And so it was very, you know, interesting that they did not incorporate that at all with Tom Holland's Spider-Man because they were saving it for this movie and it was going to be Aunt May, <laughs> of course. Right, um, right, exactly. Which the concept of Aunt May dying is actually not foreign. Um, I believe it has happened in the comics. Um, it's happened in the Spider-Man video game. Um, the recent one, I think it was 2018, um, is when it came out. It was for the PS4. Um, but Aunt May dies in that one as well. And so it's not a totally foreign concept, just not one that we typically see play out on a big screen. But it definitely kind of nailed home some, you know, really important things for Peter Parker to, you know, think about and be motivated by, which... You know, it's still really sad on top of it all that he has to deal with, you know, losing Aunt May and then, you know, trying to save the whole multiverse as well. Yeah. No, I, I cried. I was, I knew it was that scene when it was happening. And even after she, like, withstood the impact of the Green Goblin scooter thing or glider, I was mm -hmm. like, oh, no. And I was, like, covering my eyes and being all dramatic the whole time, too. Um <laughs> because I knew it was happening, but mm -hmm. I, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, um, at the very end, um, it was so sad to see Happy come to her grave because, you know, even though, like, they indicated, like, they had they had a thing, but then they broke up and everything, you know, still, you know, he obviously cared about her, you know, even though they weren't together, and it was just like, oh, oh yeah. why can't, well, why can't I, Happy I, be happy? Here's the thing, though. I don't really understand that because... How did he know Aunt May if he didn't know Peter Parker? Right? Isn't that weird? Because he still would have known May. Because the only thing is he just didn't know that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. He didn't know Peter Parker. So you don't have to know Peter Parker to remember Aunt May. You just don't know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Okay, but then aren't we kind of saying that like Peter Parker doesn't exist? In their minds, yeah. But okay. it's, it's not... It's, it's not like the whole Back to the Future where it's like you're completely erased and so like any like 
Like if somebody knows somebody else because of you, they don't know that person any anymore. You know, in this case, you know, you still know that person. You just don't know. You might not remember why you know that person, if that makes sense. Like the connection might not be there between like the three of you, but between the two, it's still there. Did I confuse you? Uh, yeah. Okay. I so. Okay. <laughs> so in this case, like, you know, taking out Peter Parker and having everybody forget about Peter Parker, it only erases Peter from the equation. It doesn't erase anybody else. And it doesn't even erase Spider-Man because people know about Spider-Man, but they don't know Peter Parker specifically. Okay. Because, I mean, realistically, if people didn't remember Peter Parker, they shouldn't remember Spider-Man, but they do. Right. Okay. I, I mean, I think I, I think I get it. It's just, it's weird. Yeah, it's so, weird, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey Timey-wimey, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in that, that end scene where, you know, he goes, you know, he's, you know, going to go to MJ and, like, tell her about them and everything, and then he decides against it. And it's like, oh, you know, like, I get it, but it, at the same time, it's like, oh, I wish he would have at least tried, and it's like, mm. But it is interesting, I think, you know, if we get some more Spider-Man movies, because I know that that's something that, you know, is always going to be tentative because of, you know, just the unique nature of Spider-Man within the MCU. Um, but if we get any more, you know, it's going to be interesting to see Spider-Man actually get to be out on his own without, you know, any kind of Stark tech or anything like that. Because, you know, if you remember from the first Spider-Man movie, you know, he wasn't really on his own for very long. You know, Tony Stark kind of scooped him up pretty quickly and, you know, he got some t neat tech and, you know, he got support and everything like that. But now he's actually going to have to do this like all on his own, completely on his right. own without that support. So it's going to be really interesting to see him like actually get to carve his own path and kind of a little bit more of a traditional path to the sp to Spider-Man than you know, he got in the beginning of the MCU. Well, right. And that's what well, kind of made me really excited, too, because that's where we have seen, you know, Tobey Maguire's mm -hmm. uh, uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man started from. So having started with Tom Holland at such a young age, mm -hmm. we didn't get to see him before any of the his own apartment thing mm -hmm. that has happened. So kind of like starting or ending here or, you know, restarting here is really beautiful to me. Um, yeah, you're ending at a beginning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's it was really like heartfelt and touching for me. Mm -hmm. I understand why he didn't like just go up to MJ at the end of the movie and say, I love you. And here's that. And the other thing. Yeah. Because of, you know, like how uh, simple things kind of seemed for her not yeah. having him there. Yeah. Um, but I also kind of wanted there to be like a collection of those. We're happy to serve uh, coffee cups at his apartment or something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> some kind of indication that he had been there more than once that he was like going back but not in a creepy way you yeah know, just like coffee. yeah yeah um and, and again it's, i feel like i needed like i needed extra like i needed yeah. i needed to know that he was going to do it do it a different way like if she and she's still wearing the black dahlia necklace too mm -hmm. so it's it's not that the necklace is important to peter or that but it it is like I don't know. I, I wanted it. I wanted more. I wanted there to be like a, 
it's gonna be okay. He's gonna figure out how to like. He's I, gonna I'm sure figure it out that in the at some point. Movies. Yeah, that <laughs> which I wanted to know. I wanted them to really like tell me that it's gonna be okay. Yeah, which you know, it, again, this is going back to a very like kind of familiar pattern between Spider Man and MJ. You know, where she doesn't know for at least the longest time. You know, and so he has to kind of negotiate this kind of relationship between her and him and Spider-Man and figure everything out, you know? So, you know, that was kind of a big point, a big plot point of the original uh, Tobey Maguire movies. And so again, like you're ending at the beginning, you know, he's once again going to try to have to, going to have to try to navigate, you know, what he feels for MJ and what, you know, he feels is really best, you know, for himself and for her and for the city in general and, and, and for the whole world. So, you know, I, I think this is a really great chance to, you know, start off a new, you know, branch of Spider-Man stories where, you know, it's it starts in a little bit more, like I said, traditional place for Spider-Man, having his own apartment, being alone, and nobody knowing that he's Spider-Man. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm ready. I'm excited. And I, I really hope that they do um, get to do some more stuff with him. Um, I know that, you know, again, like I said, everything is very tentative when it comes to Spider-Man in the MCU. Um, I had heard something come out where they wanted to do some more things, but then they kind of like backtracked that a little bit. Probably that assertion was a bit premature, likely due to like negotiations behind the scenes and stuff like that. So hopefully that kind of thing will come back. Um, don't know yet though. So we'll just have to keep our eyes peeled and hopefully we'll see something maybe, possibly. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, anything else we gotta make sure we say? Uh, this kind of stuff just really makes me excited for the new Doctor Strange movie, getting to see, like, yes. you know, this whole, you know, boundless multiverse and, you know, how magic affects it and how you can use magic to access different parts of it and to interact with different parts of it, but also how, like, you know, very dangerous it can be. Obviously, like, you know, towards the end of the movie, you get to see, like, you know, unless, you know, he'd released that spell and completed it, you know, essentially like closing that circuit again, you know, it would have been really, really bad. So, you know, Doctor Strange is no stranger to, <laughs> didn't realize what I was saying, <laughs> yes. but, you know, he, he's no stranger to, you know, dealing with this kind of, you know, very big, large, cosmic, um, multiverse kind of uh, concepts and um, storylines and things like that. So I'm really excited to see, you know, if we're going to be doing this kind of thing just in a Spider-Man movie, what kind of thing are we going to see in a Doctor Strange movie where we actually get to focus on the magic and all of that stuff going on? Because in this movie, right. it was present, it was there, but it was just basically like it was a plot point and there was little bits here and there, but it wasn't like the whole thing. So like what happens when we get to see a movie that is the whole thing? That's mm-hmm. it. That's why my interest is peaked for the next uh, Doctor Strange movie. <laughs> Did you feel like the plot or the premise of the new Doctor Strange movie is going to be very much like his episode of What If? You know, I'm not really sure. Um, I mean, I hope it's not because that would be like really, really sad. But um, I, I do think he'll likely be visiting some other... It's just future predictions. I think it could be likely that he'll be visiting some other multiverses and witnessing some different things. So... Oh... That would be really interesting. Oh, and I really, I really would love to see him meet the Watcher. I think that would be a really interesting uh, interaction for him to get to see the Watcher. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I'm, I, I don't know. I feel like this is a really cool opportunity to tie everything together. Mm -hmm. I also haven't seen the Hawkeye episodes at all, so um, I feel kind of behind on MCU in a way. I didn't watch Eternals or uh, other things that I know I'm supposed to because I'm supposed to be an MCU diehard fan and I'm <laughs> just slacking. Lately, well, it's just been lots of stuff going on lately, so... There's just been you know. a lot of stuff happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally yeah. understandable. Now, Hawkeye is definitely, like, very, like, separate from this whole, like, plot line, so, you know, okay. if y'all out there haven't seen Hawkeye yet, it's okay. You still have plenty of time, and there's... It definitely does set up a lot of different stuff for the MCU in general, but it is also very separate as well. So... Okay. Don't feel like you've missed anything from you know, Spider-Man or the greater MCU in general. It's based, the Hawkeye is basically, series basically seems like it's going to be setting up things for the future. Okay, cool. Awesome. And then um, we also did get to see that uh, um, Wanda is in with the Multiverse of Madness as well. So, mm -hmm. so that's going to be exciting to see. Yeah. So I wonder if they're going to also, you know, come in and kind of connect some to the WandaVision because at the very end of WandaVision, she was trying to reconnect with her children in some way. So I kind of wonder if that's going to come into play as well, you know, and if she'll be a help to Doctor Strange or if she'll be a hindrance to Doctor Strange. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> right. Which I'm, again, excited to, oh, yes. to see. I'm basically excited to see it all at this point um <laughs> just maybe not necessarily angelina jolie as in the mcu so eh, whatever eh, it'll be okay yeah <laughs> all right final thoughts uh it, it was a great ending to a trilogy and a great way to i think tie up um you know quite a few different spider-man storylines and universes and you know if we get to see whether we get to see Spider-Man in the MCU again or not, I feel like they left off on a really good note. So I do hope we get to see him again. But even if we don't, I felt like it was a really like clean end, I think. Wouldn't it be cool if he like gets to be with the Defenders where we get to see him like hanging out with Luke Cage? Oh, yeah, that would they, be great. Like, are out there defending the city um, yeah. in a not so ostentatiously Avengers kind of way. Yeah, that, that would be really great for him, I think, to work with a like lower scale group um, yeah, of the, like of the Defenders. defenders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, instead of like, you know, the big group of the Avengers. I, I think that would be really good for, you know, what they've set up for Spider-Man. But yeah. I sort of yeah. feel like it fits in, mm -hmm. a, in a nice, happy, little, hopeful kind of way. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think so, too. So, fingers crossed we do get to see more Spider-Man in the MCU. <laughs> yes, and if we don't, we are satisfied with where we're at right yes. now. For yes. what it's worth. Sometimes um, it is better to, you know, end something clean than to keep going and just mess it up. <laughs> yes. Yep. I am all for like that. I, I continually like tell people when they've taken a joke too far or they've like over explained something or, you know, mostly it's taking a joke too far. So like when mm -hmm. you say something funny and then the next thing is funny too, but then you keep trying to yeah. play off of the funniness and it, it just isn't. Yeah. Nope. You could have just stopped. Like it, yeah. it is definitely okay to like end something and be like, oh, I want to see more and to just still leave it and at for that. There not to be. Yeah. That's, funny that's to totally too about. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> like, that, that is a totally, like, valid thing to do as far as storytelling. You know, you should want a little bit more, at least, um, I think, for a good story, you know, because you want that, you know, you want to see what happens next. You want to see, you know, you, you just want to see more of what you just saw because that's, that's good and you liked it. But 
you know, I don't, I don't think it necessarily means that you have to do something else with it. Right. At the same time. Well, so, you know, what's, what's funny to me too, is just like, I, we watch these movies and there's always so many like, uh, videos that people put out on YouTube and podcasts and stuff where they like speculate and have fan theories on what's going to happen and how things are going to go. Mm-hmm. And then we watch the movie and it's like, oh yeah, how could they have, how could we have ever done anything differently than what mm-hmm. actually ended up happening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and I feel like that's a very real thing with this, mm-hmm. this movie and a lot of the other, you know, movies we've seen this past couple of years with the MCU, just like the way they, did it was the only way I can imagine it having been done, but I'm sure that I had speculations previously of what they were going to do. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that's pretty common in lots of different fandoms, whether it's like, you know, comic books or movies or series or even video games. You know, I've obviously very privy to a lot of, you know, speculation that goes on behind, you know, in the fandoms of certain video games and like what people are thinking for the next game and you know what they're hoping to see and what they want to see and so you know it's it's always very interesting to see you know how that may or may not play out so yeah (laughs) you know it's i think it's a very common fandom thing you know and speculation is fine and it's fun um i think it's just very important to you know not get caught up in on it and so sold on it that if that ha- ends up not happening that you're just super disappointed in it. So right. Yeah. Just always yeah. obviously keep that in mind, you know, temper your expectations, <laughs> you, know? you know, absolutely. All right. Well with that, I don't have anything more to say other than go see it and talk to us about it. Cause we, um, I don't know. Tegan's not sick of talking to me for sure. And yeah. I'm not sick of talking to her. <laughs> yeah. But we could stand to talk to other people too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And mostly, yeah. I'm willing to talk. To <laughs> Sometimes a little too much, honestly. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. okay. With that, I'm still Lindsay. And I'm still Tegan. And thanks for getting nerdy with us today on Beauties and Headcanons. <laughs>